0: I'm not just a financial coach. I'm a fitness coach. I'm a health coach. I'm a friend. So the conversation goes everywhere. So yes, we're focusing on your finances, but if I'm looking at your finances and I see that you're spending all this money eating out fast food, I'm not just going to coach you on saving money from eating out. I'm going to also try and help you eat better. (laughs) You know, So people appreciate that, though, because then they realize that I'm concerned about them as a person. And I'm not just in it to make money.
1: Welcome to Keep Going, a podcast from Azuma that shares motivational stories from small business owners. I'm Greg. And I'm Ben. And we're your hosts for this episode. Today we're talking with Thembi, the owner of Sensible Living Coach, a financial service that empowers customers to achieve their financial goals. Thembi, welcome.
2: Thank you. So Thembi, we understand you grew up in Tampa, Florida. Can you tell us a little bit more about what life was like for you growing up there?
0: Oh, the sunshine state.
2: Yeah. (laughs)
0: You hear it all the time growing up. And it wasn't until I moved to Georgia that I realized we really took the sunshine for granted. (laughs) When when you go other places and you realize that they have gray winters, I'm missing my sunshine state. (laughs) (laughs) But I grew up with my dad. He always had a full-time job, but he always had some kind of side job his own way of making money i got to see a lot of different types of industries going to all the different jobs and entrepreneurships that he had
2: i see so you tagged around with him a little bit
0: oh a lot
2: (laughs) (laughs) did that lead to you having that kind of entrepreneurial mindset
0: No, not initially. It actually had the opposite effect on me. I saw how much work he had to put into his businesses and for them not to work out. It was a discouragement for me as a child. And then at the time, also just the society as a whole kind of put the stereotype out of getting a job working 25 years, 30 years, and retiring. And so that's what I did. And that's what I had planned on doing. I never envisioned myself opening my own business. Okay. So as you
1: grew up, where did life take you? You grew up in Florida with your dad, and then you went to college. It sounds like you went down the path of a typical career. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: I did community college in Tampa and also got my bachelor's from University of South Florida in Tampa. While I was getting my associate's degree, I got a summer internship through a partnership with the city that they have for underprivileged youth to help them get employment And they partnered with major corporations. And so I got a summer internship in a financial institution. And it was just something to do to make some money for the summer. But at the end of the summer, they offered me a customer service role, which was perfect for me because I was in school and customer service is open all hours of the day. So you could have flexible shifts. So I did that the whole time I was in school and ended up making it a career. So that wasn't my plan either. <laughs> yeah. My undergraduate degree has nothing to do with finance or banking. <laughs> but I liked the opportunity to move to different departments and learn new things. And it's a major bank, so I could move around to different cities and different states. So it gave me a lot of flexibility.
1: Isn't it interesting that so often we go into you know, a career that we didn't necessarily go to college with? We just kind of find what we like and what works for us and where where our skill set kind of really is. Right. So what gave you the idea of transitioning from that? I mean, you said it sounds like you made a career out of it. You were 25 plus years there, right?
0: Yes. Part of it was just my children. I stayed for the regular paycheck, the so-called air quotes, job security. Yeah. And once my kids got older, I don't have the need to take care of the kids. I can take that risk of stepping out and doing something that I wanted to do, finding my own passion.
1: What gave you the idea of taking that step and becoming a financial coach?
0: While I was working in the financial industry, I started maybe 15 years ago, volunteering with Junior Achievement, and other organizations teaching financial literacy. So I enjoyed that. That brought me more joy than my day job. <laughs> <laughs>
2: cool.
0: So when I was ready to retire, I wanted to do something that I enjoyed doing. And this is something that I enjoy doing. So I figured I might as well, of course, I'm not at a real age to retire. <laughs> uh-huh. So I have to keep doing something, uh, not just financially, but I don't like to sit still, so I have to keep moving and keep busy. So this was a good way to make some money and help people.
2: Bimby, what was it about your volunteer work that made you decide to change directions and become a financial coach?
0: Like I said, I started with junior achievement, and so I was working with children. That was just teaching initial concepts, the concept of money, understanding spending and saving And it's as simple as saving for a doll or saving for a toy, saving your Christmas money. The age has moved up and I worked my way up to high school and college. And then it's more tangible. They understand they've actually had money in their hand. They've had a job. They really understand what it is to want something more than candy. And then I started working with people in a transitional housing facility. They'd had a job. They'd had their own place. Something in their life happened that made them lose it all. This place helps them get a job again, helps them get housing, and we would go in and volunteer and work with them. So now these are adults who've lived lives. They have children, and you're trying to teach them how to start over. And that is what really inspired me to want to do that full time. I mean, that's more tangible. You're really impacting somebody's life immediately. And just the appreciation that you get from it, the light bulb that goes on, the questions that you get, the interactions that you have, it's more personable.
2: That's great. You know, often... You find as you're first going into business that there are some unforeseen obstacles, things that you maybe confront that you didn't realize would be a factor in starting your business. What are some of the challenges you've faced in starting this business?
0: Well, I'm an introvert. (laughs) And I do well with small groups or people that I know, but to have to go out and market myself. I'm still working on that. That will be an ongoing challenge, but I'm learning and I'm stepping out. I'm talking to you all. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) and you're doing a great job. (laughs) Thank you. But then also once I started, then the economy shifted. So you have inflation, you have the interest rates rising. Now layoffs are skyrocketing. You see a new one on the news every day, seems like. So where I initially focused on coaching individuals, I now have to shift my focus because these individuals are barely being able to buy groceries. You know, so you're cutting out anything that you don't feel is a necessity. And even though I know managing your finances is a necessity, if you're in the red, you don't see it. You're just trying to make it from day to day. So I had to figure out how I could then shift my focus because ultimately the people still need the information. They just don't have the money to pay for it at this time. So now I'm focusing on marketing it to businesses as part Mm -hmm. of their employee wellness package. So you have these employees who are every day coming to work wondering how they're going to feed their children or if their lights are going to be on when they come home so then of course they're not productive at work so it's really a benefit for the business itself to invest in their employees' financial well-being because it helps the business in return now you're coming to work and actually doing what you're supposed to do at work
1: could you tell us a little bit more about this transition from working with individuals to working with companies and What did that require you to change?
0: With individuals, you're really just focused on what that person needs. Everybody has a different goal, everybody has a different obstacle they're trying to overcome. So you cater each session based on what they need. With companies, because you're going to have a class of Multiple people with multiple needs, you have to kind of make it generic. Try and cover multiple topics, but at a level that's not elementary, but not college. Trying to find that middle line (laughs) where you don't want to assume somebody knows something, but you don't want everybody in the class to feel like you're talking to kindergartners. But then you also have to pick topics that are relatable. So with each company, I ask, what have they seen? What have they heard from their employees? Because different industries have different obstacles to overcome. You figure a, a school system versus a tech company, two totally different employees. Their issues or their concerns are, are totally different. Their income levels are totally different. So you have to cater it more to a group as a whole, to an industry as a whole, I do offer multiple topics and let the company pick which ones they feel would be more relatable to their employees. And then also some companies, I just have to create something for them. If it's something that I may not have necessarily taught on previously, if they have a specific request then I'll create a new deck for it. Very cool. That's
2: a wonderful pivot. That could be even more beneficial, profitable for your business and allow you to do more than you could have without pivoting that direction.
0: Right. I can reach more people.
2: Right. Yeah. And you don't have to go market yourself to each one of them.
0: <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> I can hit a lot with one business. Right.
1: Correct. So, Thumbi, I'm wondering... When Ben asked you about challenges, I thought you might say something about like psychologically, it was hard to get over thinking about the struggles that my dad saw and watching my dad struggle in entrepreneurialism growing up. Did that play at all in the back of your mind as you launched out on your own? And were you thinking about that or had you moved past that and you just had a lot of confidence in what you were doing?
0: No, it wasn't really top of mind. One thing I did make sure I put emphasis on before I started was just coming up with a good solid game plan, business plan, making sure I knew what I wanted to do, knew who my target market was, knew what else was out there. And then also making sure I had money put up so that I would be prepared for whatever's to come. My dad's a planner, so I'm sure he put a lot of time planning in his business. But with him being a single parent, I don't think he had the financial resources to sustain the downtimes.
1: I find that fascinating, the planning and preparation that you put into it. It appears to be very well thought out, very strategic in what you're doing, and that's obviously paying off for you.
2: It's amazing what uh, having a little bit of a financial cushion, whether you're talking about individuals or small businesses running their business, a little bit of a financial cushion allows you to be A lot smarter in decisions you make.
0: Definitely. When you feel like your back is against the wall because you're down to your last dollar, then you make panic decisions. You make decisions based on what you need to survive at that time. You really can't see past that moment. When you do have the cushion, which is one of the main things that I teach in my financial coaching is to have that cushion. You feel more free to make Decisions that you know would benefit you in the long run. But if you're just trying to survive for today, you can't see six months, a year, two years down the line.
1: Yeah, that added perspective is super helpful. So, Thembi, as you launched out into this new experience of owning your own business and coaching other people, how has that impacted your life?
0: Besides me coming out of my shell? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that, that was a major hurdle for me. I mean, it still is, like I said, but signing up for more groups and doing more networking, just learning more about other entrepreneurs and their hurdles and how they manage things in their business that maybe I can do in mine. When you're siloed, you're just trying to figure it out by yourself. You're working with whatever resources you have or skills or tools you have. But when you're networking and you're, working with other business owners something that they say you realize oh I could apply that to my business but it's something you may have never thought of that's a big transition that I had to make was being open to that
2: That's really good. I see that in my life right now too. You know, sometimes the ideas that you hear from others aren't even that special. It's just it never occurred to you. Right. Just having that exposure to Ways that you might be able to incorporate new ideas into your business is really valuable. And same goes for life in general.
1: Right. Yeah, the thought that came to my mind as you were talking about that as well is just also the humility that it takes to pivot and make changes when you do gain new perspective or insight from other people. Because sometimes we get so stuck in our ways and you think your idea is so great, it doesn't usually turn out well.
0: Right, you go down with the sinking ship. Right, yeah. You know? (laughs) You always
1: gotta gotta be looking and open to change and change is generally good.
0: Right, definitely. And now that is one thing I did learn from corporate. There was always lots of change and you had to be flexible. So it works the same for your own business as well. So you've
2: already imparted quite a bit of wisdom upon us, but what other advice would you have for other small business owners?
0: Mainly just to... Really take the time to brainstorm. A lot of times I think people get one idea and they're ready to run with it. They don't take the time to really do the research and talk to other business owners in that market, especially. But still staying true to your passion because you don't want to, in your research, get so wrapped up that you deviate from what you originally wanted to do. You know, you may make some changes in your business plan, but keep your core, what your goal was, what you're trying to accomplish, who you're trying to help. Stay true to that because ultimately you want to be happy with what you're doing. I do. I could have stayed in corporate and done what they wanted me to do if that was the case. But I really feel like staying true to your passion and your goal will make it easier for you to keep pushing forward during the rough
1: times. Very cool. I'm interested, what are some things that you've learned from your clients as you've worked with them that have impacted you or your view on life?
0: Well, I realized that I'm not just a financial coach. I turn into a counselor. I'm a fitness coach. I'm a health coach. I'm a friend. So the conversation goes everywhere. Right. So yes, we're focusing on your finances. But if I'm looking at your finances and I see that you're spending all this money eating out fast food, I'm not just going to coach you on saving money from eating out. I'm going to also try and help you eat better. <laughs> you know, <laughs> So people appreciate that though because then they realize that I'm concerned about them as a person that I'm not just in it to make money. If your goal was to pay off your credit cards by the end of the year and I help you achieve that goal, great. But in the meantime, you also lost 10 pounds and you're yeah. feeling better than you ever felt before. You know, you got more out of it than what you went into expecting. Yeah. That's who I am as a person. So I enjoy going on the journey with people to see not just their financial turnaround and freedom, but also how it's helped them and their families as a whole.
1: Yeah. Our finances are kind of representations of what we value and things we do. And so it touches every aspect of our lives, right? And so when you start to dive into people's finances, you have to be willing in some regard to go into each of those areas and be open to talking about it rather than just say, yeah, don't spend that money or don't do that. There's more behind. Why are they doing that? Why are they spending their money or why are they investing in that?
0: Right. I equate it to a diet. So, you have people who go on all these different fat diets to lose weight, and they try one and then another and another. And ultimately, you're not going to lose the weight until you change your mindset. And so, once you realize that you have to permanently change your eating habits and permanently change your fitness routine, you're going to keep going up and down that roller coaster. And money is the same way. So if I give you a new app to follow to track your spending and you do it for a while and then you get bored and you fall off and you go back to your old routine, it's cyclical. It will keep happening until you get to the root of why are you spending this extra money? You have to dig deeper and understand what's going on mentally, emotionally. And once you do that, then it's easier to change the habits. It's easier to change the pattern if you get to the root of the issue.
2: That's so true. Very
1: true. Well, Thumby, this has been great. We've really enjoyed talking with you today and getting some more perspective on what you do and the impact that you're having on other people. And we, we really think it's amazing. So keep up the good work. Thank you. As we wrap up, we always like to ask, what is it that keeps you going as a small business owner?
0: For me, it's the thought of how many people I can help, especially with this pivot. Now I can reach more people. My main focus is trying to help the younger generation, Gen Z and younger. I feel if you implement better habits when you're younger, it's easier to navigate life versus trying to dig yourself out of a hole. and. Totally pivot everything that you've done your whole life. If we can get these concepts ingrained in them and their mentality around money, then they'll be in a better position to handle, as my daughter says, adulting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, hopefully they'll have less trial and error than me and, and my generation had. And I also had to think about what I wanted my legacy to be. And I would like to be an example for other Black women, Black people in general, but especially Black women who are considering being an entrepreneur. Like I said, with proper planning and saving and a vision, it can definitely happen. And I hope that my story will give them the confidence to go against the grain and bet on themselves.
1: I hope so, too. It's been inspiring to talk with you today, so I hope you can have that effect on lots more. You're doing an amazing job.
0: Yes. Thank you, Thembi. Thank you. I appreciate you all for having me.
1: Thank you listeners for joining us today. If you or someone you know would like to share your small business story, please go to mazumausacom slash keep going and fill out the form at the bottom of the page. And if you are looking for tax advice for your small business, be sure to join our keep going Facebook group and check out our website at mazumausa.com.
2: Yeah. Thembi. So, Tell us, when you were younger, were you financially minded? Was this something that you were fascinated with as a kid?
0: When I was young, we used to be able to turn in Coke bottles, glass Coke bottles for money at the store. And so I would walk through my neighborhood and ask all my neighbors if I could have their Coke bottles and I would take them to the store and go buy snacks.
1: you were entrepreneurial when you were little <laughs>
0: yeah I just didn't know it <laughs> you, you
1: loved money you just loved to make it and spend it right away right <laughs> right right